on this episode of Sports and the World, I'll be giving my Mount Rushmore's of Major League Baseball and the NBA, along with my big picture and so much more on this episode of Sports and the World. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us, thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm Ladarius, and Worsley Chris is now with me on this episode. He has business to take care of. He said to give you all my best, and he'll be back better than ever very, very soon. And also, I hope all of you are being safe out there, given what's going on in the world today. And and I'll give my thoughts on that on in Brown's Big Picture at the end of the podcast. All of you are being safe, being smart. And with that, let's dive right on in. For, for a while now, I was debating about what to do. And given all the free time that we have, so we have a lot of time to think. But what I decided to do was to do a Mount Rushmore list. And the reason why I saw this is because I've seen a lot of them. But I didn't say a lot for baseball. You'll get the you'll get the NBA, NBA one next segment. But I felt it was important to do one because I think I've said on this podcast, I said baseball was my first love. I love all sports. But, but baseball was my true first love. So what I decided to do is give my Mount Rushmore of Major League Baseball. And for those who don't know, it's who I think are the four greatest players in the history of Major League Baseball. And this list was very, very tough. To me, two were locks. One, you could debate. And one, maybe a little controversial. You'll get the same thing in the NBA one as well but the criteria for Major League Baseball is this I did not care how many World Series you won because baseball is about numbers it's about productivity just like most jobs are it's about productivity you can win a lot of employee of the month awards but sometimes quality over quantity and sometimes the quality of your quantity is what I think about baseball how, how much quality it is in the quantity of your stats because it's very very important so with that let's dive in with my very very first pick and to me it was a no brainer it's Willie Mays I've always said that Willie Mays to me was is the greatest major league baseball player of all time and, and, and simply this is why he's fifth all time in home runs 660 He's a 12-time Gold Glove winner. He's tied for first with the late great Roberto Clemente. He's a two-time MVP. He was Rookie of the Year in 1951. 24-time All-Star, tied for second with Stan the Man Musial. He's second on ESPN's 100 all-time greatest Major League Baseball players. And he's been a, he had 11 seasons in the top 10 in stolen bases. But this is the one stat that a lot of people don't know about that to me stands out 
and it's a newer advent stat and it's called WPA which is wins probability added it's simply this given average teams it's the change in probability a change of plus or minus one would indicate a win added or lost he's third on that list and and the thing is he's third a hundred and two point thirty five so throughout his career a hundred and two point three five wins so you can say 102 wins that's a lot of wins and third is war which is wins above replacement he's third on that list 156.2 to me Willie Mays defined he defined this but I think he was a great hitter I think he was a great fielder and he ran he was, I mean like I said 11 seasons he played 22 seasons and half of those he was in the top 10 in stolen bases he was a he was a five tool player he did everything and to me he probably had the best catch in baseball history over his shoulder Vic Wirtz hit the ball in the world so he caught it he caught it over himself. It's like, that's how I think he's the greatest player. And fun fact, he was on deck when Bobby Thompson hit the home run hurdle around the world. He was on deck when the Giants won the pennant that year. So that's a little fun fact for you. So I got Willie Mays on my Mount Rushmore. And secondly, Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron is second all-time in home runs, 755, three gold gloves. He's been an MVP, 25-time All-Star. That's most all-time. He's third all-time in hits with 3,771 hits. And he's fifth in that wins wins probability. Added, he's fifth with 99.27. He's fifth in war. 19 seasons. Top 10 in slugging percentage. Yeah, he played 23 seasons. And this leads me to say that for the record, I don't have Barry Bonds on my list. And it's pretty obvious why, and let me explain, because there's going to be a picture that I didn't put on this list for kind of the same reasons. The thing with Barry Bonds is simply this. If you look at his career when he was in Pittsburgh, before he got to San Francisco, he was already kind of on that path to breaking records. And when the steroids kicked in I just felt he didn't have to do steroids I felt that he did it because mentally he probably felt that he had to do it to play longer hit the ball faster you know excuse me not faster excuse me hit the ball harder and longer but I could not put him on this list because listen for the record he's top five in a lot of these stats he is but the reality is is that he cheated the game. And and that to me, I can't morally put him on that list on my Mount Rushmore because he cheated the game. He was a great player. He didn't have to do it. In my opinion, he didn't have to do it. Because, like I said, he was already on that path. It's like when you see somebody in your life doing great and they're going to be great and then they do something to kind of skew that 
it kind of makes you go, like, what were you thinking? And and that to me was Barry Bonds. It's like, what were you thinking? Because you really, really didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it. And the reality is, is that there's no telling, there's no telling, in my opinion, how, you know, how great he would have been if he didn't take it. But what I do know is that he just didn't have to. And that's the reality. He didn't have to. And I think that's the thing that gets me is that he didn't have to. So that's why he's not on the list. So I have Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and for the third person, I decided to put him in an infielder because I easily could have put in King Griffey. King Griffey, I felt his health. I think his health got in the way. I think if he would have been healthy, he'd have been on this list. I, th- I maybe would have considered putting him over Aaron. But I put in the infielder, and to me, this was really close. Barry Larkin, Derek Jeter, Brooke Robinson, Mike Schmidt. There, there were a lot of options. But I, I settled on Cal Ripken Jr. He was a two-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, eight-time Silver Slugger. He was a shortstop. People tend to forget early in his career, he was a shortstop. He didn't play third to the back end of his career. And those nine, eight silver sluggers, by the way, second to Barry Larkin's now. He was a 19-time All-Star, third all-time. And this is here's the thing, simply put, 2,632 consecutive games. From May of 1982 to September 1998, he played in 2,632 games. Think about that. Let that sink in. He did miss a game for 16 years. Imagine not missing a day of work for 16 years. Imagine. A lot of us get up and complain about getting up to go to work every day. A lot of us complain. Cal Ripken Jr. didn't. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people admired about and, and listen, he was more of a defensive guy. His defensive war was 35.7. That's fourth all-time in defensive war. But go back to that 2,632. Let's put this in perspective. There were 26 teams when that streak started. 1982, when the streak ended, there were four more teams. There were 30 major league teams. 5,045 players hit the DL in that time frame. But this is the stat that I love. Derek Jeter made his debut May 29, 1995. And at that point in the street, it was game 2038 for Cal Ripken. Now, between Ripken's first game of 1982 up to 1995, until Jeter's debut, 18 players played shortstop for the New York Yankees. I'm not going to read their names because you're not going to know at least two-thirds of them. Like Randy Velarde. Like, that, that's how, that's how 
good Cal Ripken is. And I could not ignore that fact. He showed up to work. And listen, he wasn't a slouch. Listen, eat the All-Star game. A-Rod. Let him play shortstop. He's well-respected in the game. I think that you won't get much pushback when you talk about Cal Ripken Jr. being an all-time great player. He played He played 16 straight years. Did he play hurt? Absolutely. People can say, well, it's easy to do in baseball. You're never going to see that streak touched. Baseball is the one sport where a lot of streaks aren't going to get touched. Cy Young's 511 wins. Good luck with that. I think Old Hoss Radborn, pitcher, 59 wins in a season. Good luck with that. Nolan Ryan's five. Nobody, that one might be touched. Because given, you know, coming out, that, that might be the most breakable one. But to me, the most breakable one is playing every day. Because a lot of players want rest. They're, so that's what makes this streak more impressive. To me, so I got Cal Ripken then. Now, the fourth spot I selected was for a pitcher. And I want to say this for the record. Mayor Rivera is the greatest closer ever to play the game. No dispute there. What I was looking for here, and it really came down to this person, Randy Johnson, Bob Gibson. I, I had options. But I ended up going with Greg Maddox over Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson. If you want to know why I didn't pick Roger Clemens, see argument about Barry Bonds. Roger Clemens was striking dudes out. Like how, you know, how Patrick Swayze was kicking dudes out of bars and roadhouse. It was just second nature to him. And that when you saw Roger Clemens, the same way you saw Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, you knew you were in trouble. How much trouble? Well, you found out. Here's what's most impressive about Greg Maddox. 19 gold gloves for a pitcher. That's more. That's the most all-time for a pitcher. Eight-time All-Star, four-time Sun Young, but that's third all-time. He had the most season leading the leagues in home runs per 19 and 40. He didn't give up a lot of home runs. He led the league in shutouts five times. He's third in that wins probability at it for a pitcher, same concept before a pitcher, and that's 59.46. And and I think Greg Maddox, I could argue, is kind of like the Tim Duncan of, of baseball, where we get lost, and especially on that Braves, on those Braves teams, because you heard, you know, I think we talk about Smoltz, Glavin, but Greg Maddox, in the 95 World Series, he had eight strikeouts. Glavin, he was first. And Smoltz only had four. Greg Maddox, to me, was the glue to that rotation. Yes, Steve Avery was there, but to me, Greg Maddox was the glue. And as a Cubs fan, I was pissed when they got rid of him. When I found out that he played for us and we got rid of him, like, well, typical Cubs management. But that, to me, is how great, to me, Greg Maddox is. So that was tough. And once again, the Roger Clemens argument is simply this. I just, he didn't have to do it. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens could easily be on every Mount Rushmore 
and everybody's baseball is Mount Rushmore, but the reality is this. If they're not in the Hall of Fame, I can't put them on this list because the baseball community has made it clear. We know some of these stats are juiced and they didn't have to because if you look at the trajectory, look at Roger Clemens when he was at, when he was at Boston, look at Barry Bonds when he was at Pittsburgh, you said blue chipper, blue chipper. And all of a sudden, they're ensconced in the steroid era. And, they're, and they were leading the pack. That's why. So once again, my Mount Rushmore, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Calvin Ripken Jr., and Greg Maddox. And if you have your own Mount, I'll be posting the Mount Rushmore also on our Sports The World group page. I'll be posting it there as well as well as on the Facebook page. So coming up, if you thought the baseball one was a little controversial, <laughs> wait till you hear the NBA one. And that's next here on Sports and the World. Welcome back into sports and the world. I'm Ladarius. So we just finished our Major League Baseball Mount Rushmore. Once again, if you want to give your own Mount Rushmore, head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World. We also have a group page, as I mentioned last segment. You post it in there. We'll talk about it. You can also leave your thoughts, your questions, comments on the group page as well. And you never know. We'll, we'll answer them because I know these are going to be controversial because that's the thing I love about sports. And that's why I think that's one of the things I love about sports is that it brings people together, but it causes friendly division. It's, it's not as divisive as politics, but it's pretty close. And so that's why I love doing topics like this. So, Mount Rushmore Baseball in the books. Now to do the NBA. Now, let's be clear the NBA. Remember what I said about baseball where without numbers? That applies to the basketball, but also championships matter. Because the reality simply is this. Baseball, you can play 20 years and play in one world series. In the NBA, the way it's constructed, you can play in at least one two finals, I believe it. But, this was all about the four best players. And, and there's going to be a lot of big names left off, and I'm going to hear, you can sound off, go to the, listen, go to sportstheworld.mysharkly.com, click on the Facebook page, the Facebook link, click on the Instagram link, click on the Twitter link, let me have it, you know, because plus, I don't get to talk about basketball a lot. Don't tell Chris that. But one time I get to talk about basketball. Because basketball is the only sport where I just, I, I'm a fan of playing. I used to be a Magic fan, full discretion. But that Dwight Howard debacle was just awful. It was Batman and Robin bad. If you've seen the movie... You, you get the reference real quick. If not, just pop in 15 minutes and, and you'll get the point. But with that all being said, 
I based this list of the four best players. So, same kind of criterion is applicable. But like I say, championships matter. You know, this one's about dominance. In the air, how did you dominate? These are the players that I thought were the four best. And I left off things like the great, the late great Kobe Bryant. It was very hard to do. Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan. I left off a lot of names. But these to me are the four best. And it, it may be universal. You may want to take off a name. I didn't put Larry Bird on there. Why? Because he got hurt. And the person who I put on here, like I said, two no-brainers in my opinion. One hurt and one that controversial, but I think it's agreeable. So, off the gate, Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, excuse me. Here's the thing. 14-time All-Star, 10-time scoring champion, 11-time All-NBA, 9-time All-Defensive, 6-time Finals MVP. Here's the th- and that, to me alone, listen, are there players better than some of those numbers? Yes. But this is where he stands out. Once again, we, we focus on, well, scoring those points. We focus on the most this, most and this. But there are numbers within numbers that explains the greatness. And this is the argument why Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. He's first in a stat offensive box plus and minus. Now, box plus and minus is a box score estimate of the points per 100 possessions a player contributed above a league average player translated to an average team. So, so for every so that to me is important. He was first, seven point one seven, and that's on the offensive side. So offensively, and then just the regular box, same thing. He was number one, nine point two two. Second in Bork, value over replacement player. And that's simply saying it's a box score estimate of the points per 100 team possessions a player contributed above replacement player was a negative 2.01. He was first. Excuse me, he was second. He was second. And this is the stat that no one talked about with Michael Jordan. Even when he went off doing baseball and good lord, he wasn't on my Mount Rushmore. Thank God. But... When he went to do the baseball thing, and then he came back, he became, he was still a great player. Even, this is the thing, in his whole career, he never averaged under 20 points in his career. He never did. That, to me, is impressive, because, listen, he was no slouch his rookie year. He was sixth in MVP voting his rookie year, and finished, by the way, in the top five every year that he was in the league. Michael Jordan, these stats to me what makes him great. Because yeah, he may not be he may not be the all-time leading point scorer. He may not be leading all the stats, but he's leading in the stats within the stats. Box plus or minus. You ask a true basketball numbers guy like me. They'll tell you box that plus and minus is important. Because it tells you how much you're contributing positively or negatively. That means he didn't turn over the ball a lot. 
He did make a lot of mistakes. He scored when he did. He, and plus, most importantly, here's the thing. He was first, he's first all the time. He averaged 30 points his whole career. His whole career. And that, to me, is important. And that's, and that's what I think about Michael Jordan. There's no debate there. The next person, Magic Johnson. This is the thing about Magic Johnson. People are like, oh, how do you get him this list? Simply put, 6'9", 2'15", 12-time All-Star, led the league in steals twice, led the league in assists four times, 10-time All-NBA, three-times Final MVP, five-time NBA champion, three-time MVP. And he's fifth all-time in assists. What made Magic Johnson great was his ability. He's not. He didn't line it up offensively. He's probably the only person on this list who didn't line it up offensively. He lit it up in the fundamental part. He was a great distributor of the basketball. He was a floor general. The reality is, he won. He won the final MVP and didn't even average 20 points. That's, it was the lowest in the modern era. That's how good Magic Johnson was. Remember that game was, I don't remember, I wasn't there. Listen, Kareem was hurt. He played point center. He scored 40. The guy had the, arguably one of the best games in, in any in playoff history. And I said, Magic Johnson, listen, 6'9", 215. Playing point. Think about that. Think about that. Him and another person on this list changed. Listen, blue once again, blue chipper, and the question became, how do you stop it? Because the reality is, how do you stop it? To me, there's two players the last 25, 30 years. When you draft them, you're like, how do I stop them? Magic Johnson is one. How do you stop? You can't teach what he has. You can't. And the reality is, here's another thing. He's the only player to have multiple triple-double games, including finals games. He's like kind of like Mario Rivera. Listen, if the game's on the line, Magic's going to close it. He's going to close it. He's going to play great. And he was sixth, offensively plus or minus too. And that's what's more impressive. And a lot of that had to do with ball distribution. Don't focus on the points, people. He was a great distributor of the basketball. Don't be fooled. He's a great player. Speaking of great players, here's one that I put a center in. It's not Bill Russell. It's not even Will Chamberlain. It's not even Shaq. It's Kareem. And to me, when when people say, well, why Kareem? I said, they focus on, well, they just have many championships. Stop it. Stop it. This is what makes Kareem great. 19-time All-Star, two-time scoring champion, 15-time All-NBA, 11-time All-Defensive, six-time MVP, Two-times Finals MVP, four-time Block Champion. Oh, great! You know, bitch, that you remember that uh, eleven-time All Defensive? 
He's third in defensive win shares. So basically, you know, that's been the wins contributed by his defense. He's third. 94.19. Third all-time in rebounds. What made Kareem great? This is the point I'm going to make. Because the fourth person on this list, it's going to piss people off. But it's applicable to to, to the parameter of Michael Jordan. You know, Kareem's argument could be he didn't win a championship without Magic or Oscar. Who, Oscar to me, if this Mount Rushmore was expanded to maybe 10, he'd be on the list. I make this argument. Michael Jordan, folks, couldn't get out of the first round without Scott. That's the reality. You can look it up. It didn't take away nothing from Michael as a player. But the reality is he didn't win without Scott. That's the reality. Like, we, we can debut we can debate this. But listen, here's the difference. Kareem was equally needed by Oscar and Magic in the same capacity that Michael and Scott. It was inner it was a complimentary relationship. There was no leaning on one more than the other. They were both great talents. Magic and Kareem. Kareem and Oscar. So, Michael and Scotty. Scotty and Michael. It was complimentary. So they needed each other. So speaking of needing. Listen, I needed to put this person on the list. I'm just going to say it. It's LeBron James. People are like, oh, you didn't put... Here's the thing. LeBron was the best player of the last decade. Not even close. Name the second best player. He was the best player of the decade. 16-time All-Star. 15-time All-NBA. Six-time All-Defensive. Three-time NBA champion. Three-time Finals MVP. He's second in that box plus or minus. He's second in the box, plus a one offensive. And here's the thing, he's number one in value over replacement player. He was more valuable in his career than Michael Jordan. But the reason why I never compare the two is not because of the arrows, it's because of the position. It's because Michael Jordan had his hand on the ball more than LeBron. You're the guard. And mind you, LeBron's developed his game. That's another thing. You change with the game. A lot of these players, you have to change with the game. LeBron changed the game because he changed the way he played. Remember when we criticized what LeBron not being able to shoot threes now? I'm not saying he's no Steph Curry. He's gotten better. You know, when he's driving to the basket, do you want to see that freight train? It was like seeing Grandma Larry Johnson coming at you. You get off the tracks. LeBron's an all-time talent, and I'll de- and I'll defend LeBron. LeBron, I can argue, is the second best player in NBA history behind behind, behind Michael. But I won't compare them. People are like, well, that's kind of oxymoronic. No, because the best comparison, and I've said this ad nauseum, the best player you compare LeBron with 
is Magic Johnson. Because I believe that LeBron will end up with the same amount of championships as Magic, five, for the same organization. Retiring for the same organization. That's how I feel in my honest opinion. Here's the reality. LeBron is too magic as as, as, as Jordan is to Kobe. And it was very hard not to put Kobe on this one. It was very hard. But the reality is LeBron James is the most valuable player every year and value over replacement player folks it's LeBron 1 MJ 2 they're valuable every year they were in the league they were valuable LeBron has been the most valuable player for the last 15 years no argument if you want to argue with me, go to the social media. So once again, it's Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Kareem, LeBron, my Mount Rushmore for the NBA. And coming up next on Brown's Big Picture, we talk about the impact of the coronavirus on everyday life. That's next here on Sports and the World. It's Ladarius here from Sports and the World. And great news, the podcast now has a website. To get to the website, head over to our Facebook page, Sports and the World, ampersand for the word and, go to the About tab, click the link, sportstheworld.mystrikingly.com, and there you'll see our website with our blogs that will be posted every Monday, along with About the Podcast. And as well, on the left-hand side, you'll see links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, and as well as links to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Once again, that's sportstheworld.mystrikingly.com. Head over there, give it a look, and you can listen to this episode and every episode on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Enjoy and thank you from sports and the world. And welcome back into the final segment here of sports and the world. If you've been listening so far, I truly do appreciate it. Once again, if you want to listen to this episode and every episode of sports and the world, Go over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, ampersand for the word and. Click the about tab and go to our new website, sportstheworld.mystrikingly.com. Go to the left-hand side and you can click the links to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts to catch up. And also check out some of our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well, along with content contents for the blog. And this week coming up blog will be about Tiger King and Michael Vick. That should be fun. 
So look forward to that on Monday and every Monday for the blog. And I I wanted to close this episode of of Brown's Big Picture to kind of take a step back from sports because the sports in the world. And there's a lot going on in the world. As I mentioned on the top of this episode. So I wanted to address it. Because one of the one of the things, one of the reasons why I named it sports and the world, because I've always felt that sports was an escape from the world, the harsh realities of the world. But unfortunately, there's no sports to turn to in in the reality we live in. But I do want to talk about the impact of the, of, of the coronavirus from the perspective of comfortability, faith, income. And, and to make a very strong point, which I'll make at the end. So there was a study done from the folks at Pew Research Center who do, always, who do great and amazing work there with their stats and the research. And so they asked people, you know, situations and the percentage of scenarios that make them feel uncomfortable. And and here's what here were the results. Ninety-one percent of people felt uncomfortable attending a crowded party. But that nine percent, really though, real. Anyway. 77% 77% felt uncomfortable eating out at a restaurant. Going to a polling place to vote, 66% uncomfortability. Going to a grocery store, we start to dip, we go down to 42%. And going to visit family members or a close friend at their home, yeah, 38%. So, people don't feel comfortable in crowds. And this is what I say, and this is just a piece of advice. Listen to the professionals. Because you would not go to your mailman or your mail person for tax advice. You would not ask your cashier to to detail your car. Okay? You would not ask your accountant to come trim your hedges. The point is, is that they're professionals. You know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, that's our attorney general. Listen to people who know, because they're stressing not going to crowds, not going, to, and that's what's making people. That plays a lot to making people feel uncomfortable if they go, because professionals told them not to do it. They said it's okay to shop for necessity, because it's a need, not a want. It's a need. Going out to eat, going to that's a need. That's a need that's more than a, that's a want. It's not a need, it's a want. But those would make people feel uncomfortable. And now more so than ever, people are feeling more comfortable in their faith. And over half, 55% have prayed to an end to, to the spread of Corona. And... 59% have attended a religious service in person. And close to 57%, they've watched a religious service on their television 
or online. Surprisingly, people still think about what are doing this. So it's so it's it's not a huge draconian gap there. But here here's my here's the thing. And I'm gonna talk about faith later on at the end of the segment as well. We should always it doesn't matter what your faith is, you may not have a faith, but we all believe in something. I believe that we believe in something. You may not believe in, you know, like where I may have believe in God. Some people don't. But we believe in something. And that's important. And at these times we have to believe. If you don't pray, believe. It's it's, it's the advice I give to people because I don't want to stir the pot there. The pot's been stirred enough by a lot of different people. But, you know, now these people are staying at home. Child care responsibility. And I thought this was interesting. And for all children under the age of 12 in the household, only 35% felt it was very somewhat difficult. The other 65 said it was very somewhat easy. Because, because the point is that now more parents, you know, whether it's more, more partners are staying at home and they work at home anyway. So, and some homeschool their kids now. So it's easier for some, it was a big transition, but for some, it was a, a day, a day at the office. But this is what I really wanted to break it down to income, money. Now, the upper income here's the thing about the upper income when they were asked, you know, percentage wise, how their lives have been affected in any way. 54% of the upper income said yes. 49% for the middle income, lower income, 38%. For the upper income, it's a, it's a different because upper income businesses makes a lot of money. They're not used to this. I mean, they're used to this, but everything being shut down completely. They're not, they're not, a, you know, oblivious to recessions but this is a shutdown for them we see the lower class at 38% is that in a way they've kind of felt this for well before coronavirus and that's important to detail and, and in the middle you know, so, you know once again you're in that middle listen, 44% so a little under half has been affected but the most important takeaway is everybody's been affected whether it's from the minimal or to the max. Faith. Men, women, everyone's been affected in every aspect. Now, when I went back to faith, and speaking of things that have been affected, how often people pray. 86% of the people now are praying daily. Weekly, 66%. Monthly, 49%. You know, seldom or never is 15%. Like, Darius, you're driving home religion. No. My point is this. We always, like I mentioned, we always believe or have faith in something. It's not my job to tell you what it is. You already know what it is. And these times, in these new realities 
it affects everyone. There's no such thing as it affects the rich, the poor, the middle. It affects everyone. Big businesses, small businesses are being affected. And I make this to say this, and I emphasize this, we're in this together. Whether you're a man, a woman, whatever you are, whether you're Republican or Democrat, black, white, Hispanic, we're in this together. Whether you have 10,000 bucks in your pocket or 10 cents in your pocket, we're in this together. And in these times, people are dying. It's not a hoax. It's not something just made up out of the blue. It's a new reality that people have to deal with. And at the end of the day, as I mentioned, people are relying on their faith. Faith is free. Faith is something that any of us can do. Nobody said that you had to walk into a church, convert to be a Christian, Catholicism, Muslim. Nobody said that. All I ask you, the listener, to do is if you believe in something, believe in it. If your faith, you pray. Because once again, these are new realities. And at the end of the day, before I wrap up, just remember to be safe, be smart, be conscious of the people around you. And speaking of being conscious of things, I'm aware that we are out of time for this episode of Sports and the World. I want to thank you for taking your time, whether it's during the day, afternoon, or at night. I truly do appreciate it. Happy Easter to all of those who are celebrating, and good Friday as well to you as well. Be real, be you, and be blessed. And remember to head over to sportstheworld.mystrikingly.com. Head over to the website. Click there, check out the blogs, check out the about of what this podcast is about. Go to the left-hand side, you'll see our social media links to Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, and Twitter. And you go to listen to the podcast this episode and every episode on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Once again, be real, be you, and be blessed. And once again, be safe. And I'll hear you again. Hopefully you'll listen to me once again here on Sports and the World.